1: Shall we pray? Come, Holy Spirit. your word will have free course and be glorified in every heart here. We come against anything that may act as a hindrance to your word. We pull down every stronghold and we say that let the seed fall on good soil and yield the intended fruit in Jesus name. Amen. Seated. Praise the Lord. Tonight is the God of small things. The God of small things. Amen. Amen. Shall we turn our Bibles to Exodus 21? Exodus 21 27 Are we there? And if he smite out his manservant's tooth, (laughs) or his maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. And if he smite out his manservant's tooth, or his maidservant's tooth, he shall let him go free for his tooth's sake. Amen. (laughs) I will read another scripture before. I enlighten you on what I want to say, Exodus 19, Exodus 19, reading from verse 10, and the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take ye to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. Um, I'll skip to verse 14. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people, and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives' And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of a trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder moses spake, and god answered him by a voice verse 21 and the lord said unto him go down charge the people lest they break through unto the lord to gaze and many of them perish and let the priests also which come near to the lord sanctify themselves lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the, the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priest and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. Amen. Amen. Now what am I saying this evening? From what we just read, we realize that God came down to meet his people in thunder and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. And the Bible says that Mount Sinai was altogether a smoke and a furnace and there was fire. And usually this is how you and I see God. We see God as a very terrible and great person with a lot of signs and wonders. He comes in fire, He comes in lightning, He comes in earthquakes and that is how we see God. But from the verse, from the chapter 21 of Exodus that we read we realized that God was also concerned about the mundane things of life. Amen. He's interested in the ordinary things of life. And in verse 19 He comes down in thunder, in lightning, in fairness, in rumblings, And yet in verse chapter 21 he comes to talk about the truth of a man servant. And this is the type of God that you and I serve. Now the reason why we do not have confidence sometimes to come to God about issues of our lives are that we think that He's so awesome. Of course, the Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And we cannot comprehend that He will be interested in the everyday things, the little things that bother you, the little things that rob you of your peace, the little things that create frustration in our lives. We find it difficult to think that the Creator of the universe will find time to think about our small problems. But indeed, He is a God of small matters. Amen. I want to say that God sees our hearts and He sees the little things. He sees the pain and the anguish. I was talking to Bishop some time ago, and he was saying that most of the problems that humanity has is not even physical ailments, you know, like physical healing, but usually in the area of our emotions. Amen. It is usually in the area of worry, mental torture, mental agony. There's no peace. Many of us have come to Christ, but we have not really come into that blessing. where Jesus said that, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Now let me just read a verse from Exodus twenty-three, thirteen, To show you that God is circumspect. <laughs> and in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect. And make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. Now God was asking his people to be circumspect, to be very careful, to pay attention to detail, to pay attention to little things. And God is more perfect or better than we are. Amen. And so when he tells human beings to do something, it is usually something that he has already done. And you and I have to try and come to God in trust. It is the little foxes that spoil the vines. It is not the big catastrophes. It is not the earthquakes or the floods that worry you and I every day. It is the little foxes of enmity, of jealousy, of backbiting. All these little things. These are the things that drain our energies. Amen. Now God is no respecter of persons. That is why he came down to talk about the tooth of a maid servant. I mean, most of us will say, who is a made servant? I mean, a servant has no wishes of his own, or a servant is, I mean, at our beck and call. But God made a rule concerning a servant that if you mistakenly or intentionally hit the tooth of a servant and it falls out, then you will set him free for his tooth's sake. (laughs) Beloved, our lives are more than teeth. Amen. (laughs) And therefore, if God is concerned about a little tooth, He is also concerned about the whole of you. God does not care whether you are rich or poor. He doesn't care your status in life, whether you are educated or not. He sees you as somebody worth dying for and he is determined to keep his inheritance and to keep you whole until that day. Amen. Now the main passage that we will be dwelling on this evening is in Acts 12, 1 to 17. Acts chapter 12 Acts chapter 12 verse 1 to 17 it's a very popular story I'm sure you all know it now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church and he killed James the brother of John with a sword And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison and behold the angel of the lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying arise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands and the angel said unto him get thyself and bind on thy sandals and so he did and he saith unto him cast thy garment about thee and follow me and he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then, Then said they, It was his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, beckoning unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Amen. Amen. Beloved, this passage we have just read tells us that Peter was in prison. The first lesson we learned from this was that Peter was in prison. What does it mean? There are times when you are in prison, implying that there's nothing you can do about your situation. Peter had betrayed Jesus and had been restored. He had received the Holy Ghost baptism. He had preached and thousands and thousands had been won to Christ. And soon after that, he finds himself in prison. Many times we have mountain experiences and we are so happy and we see God's hand and we see breakthroughs but soon after that there comes a test or a trial and sometimes we do not understand it sometimes it is not of your doing but you just realize that you are in a prison you are in a limited situation you are in a restricted situation and there is very little that you can do and just as Peter was in prison many of us here may be in prison We may be in mental anguish. We may be in frustration. We may be in a situation where we cannot see the wood for the trees. We cannot see how we are going to overcome that situation. But you are not the first to be in prison, amen. Because Peter was in prison. And there will come such times in our lives. Many of us want to see the locked lion's jaw, but we don't want to be in the lion's den. We want to see the fourth man, but we don't want to be in the fire. We want a testimony, but we do not want a test. But we have to be in prison before we can come to the place where we can trust God. And at such times, at such times, we are tempted to lash out at God. We are tempted to feel bitter and to feel resentful and to say, I have saved you. I have brought many to you. I have faced the Sanhedrin. I have told them that I would rather serve you than obey man. And then here I am in prison where there seems to be no hope. But beloved, when these things happen, let us keep our mouths shut. Amen. Amen. Let us not, most of the time we are under pressure to say something that we should not say. But our words are seeds. Amen. And it is better to call those things which be not as though they were than to say something that we do not have to say. Now we can imagine what Peter's thoughts were. And we can imagine the fear that Peter may have been tempted to have because he had very cogent evidence. James had been killed. What was the guarantee that his situation would be different? Now the second thing I wanted to notice was that Peter was sleeping. When you read verse 6, it says that, And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. I'm sure that as a man of God, Peter had prayed. But at a point, he came to the end of his tether, the end of his efforts. He saw that he couldn't do much. And therefore, he gave it all up and he slept. Now, many of us, we sleep in the time of peace. And we sleep when there are not two soldiers on either side. And we sleep when the gate is not firmly locked and we are not hemmed in. But Peter slept in the midnight hour. Amen. Amen. Paul and Silas, they sang, I feel that is easier than sleeping. Amen. In the midst of your problems most of us toss and turn as if we could make a difference by worrying. Now Jesus said that when you worry, can you add even one cubit to your stature? You cannot and yet we still worry. He said take no thought for your life. He didn't say take some thought or take some little thought or show that you care. He said take no thought for your life. Amen. Now, the Bible says that in quietness and in confidence shall your strength be. But most of the time, when the storm is raging, we do not feel like being quiet. And we do not find the strength to be confident. But David said that the Lord is my confidence. Amen. So our confidence is not the circumstances that surround us, but the Lord who is on our side. Now, we are not told that Peter was wide awake. So that as soon as the angels entered the prison, he saw them. No, he had given it all to God, and he was asleep. They that have entered into his rest have ceased from their own works. Amen. Now, most of the time, as human beings, we have the tendency to want to fix our situation. You understand? You want to do something about it. You feel that you you can't just rest, you can't just take it easy. You have to do something about it. And most of the time, even, we try also not only to control our situation, but to control human beings. Maybe somebody is being somewhere, and you don't like the way the person is being somewhere. You have made it your whole life's preoccupation. I mean, how long is life? You do not have time to dwell on little things. Amen. There's a bigger picture. There are happier things to be happy about than to dwell on that small thing. And we try to control the people around us. You try to say... My husband is an unbeliever, and he's this and that, and that. If only he would be this, and he would be that, and he would be gentle, and he would be romantic, then I'll have a perfect life. And you, sp- you spend your whole years and all your time trying to control that person. But beloved, you cannot fix it. Let Jesus fix it for you. Amen. God puts us in situations where only He can lead us out, like in the situation of Peter there was no way out many times we say that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man god is faithful and that He will provide the way of escape but it's not every time that we see the way of escape or it's not every time that he shows us the way of escape amen, amen. another thing i want you to notice was that whilst peter was sleeping a lot was going on beloved as you sleep and you rest in the lord a lot is going on in the realm of the spirit Amen. Jesus said that if he liked, he could send a legion of angels to fight on his behalf. It means that that battalion is there. And that battalion has a job description. Amen. And so whilst Peter slept, a lot was going on. And as you learn to enter into his rest and to sleep and to give it all to Jesus, a lot will be going on. And the the things that happen in the spiritual realm are more important than what you can do with your little physical strength amen now what do I mean by a lot was happening the angels were oiling the gates outside so that when they got there the gates will open of their own free accord amen now the angels were also arranging their shift that we will go in and strike Peter for him to get up who will cause the chains to fall, who will lead him, who will take him to the door, and then lead him to the streets and all that. A lot was going on. And then, I want to say that in your situation, a lot is going on. In the seemingly hopeless situation, a lot is going on. You may not see it, you may not feel it, but a lot is going on. Amen. every time that we see what God wants to do I remember when God first called my husband into full-time ministry there was a lot of pressure from everywhere and because he was a bit stronger and would say I have decided don't talk about it all the pressure was geared towards me and every time the phone would be ringing from early morning when I go and pick it up it would be my father-in-law sometimes and he would say so what do you say about this decision that your husband has taken? And I would say, I believe it's God's call on his life, that he has to obey God, and then he would start, you know. So you are telling me that you believe that he should live people off free will offerings, charity. That's what you are telling me. And I will say, that's not what I'm saying. You know, we are still working. At that time, we we're not being paid by the church. And, I mean, God will make a way. And as soon as I would hang up, my father would call. I think your husband, he's going into this thing because he doesn't like the pathology department that he has been posted to. I have contacts in Kolebu, I'll move him to another department. So what do you say? I say, Daddy, I believe that God has called him and he has to obey God's call. Then I'll hang up, then my mother-in-law will call. What do you think? Don't you feel so awful? She was very nice, but she would say, don't you feel so awful that your husband, I mean a doctor... A nice profession like that. And then he's giving it all up to go and do this thing. What do you say? And I would have to give the same answer. And my mother would also be calling. And his uncles would also be calling. And telling us how we should go to Cambridge and do this and do that. But beloved, in obeying the little things and in obeying God, a lot was going on. Amen. A lot was going on. And sometimes we cut short what God wants to do. Sometimes when I look back, I thank God that He gave me the grace to obey Him. Amen. Because you never know how far God wants to reach with you. And you never know how far God wants to go with you. Amen. So even though it may seem, when you look in the natural, that nothing is happening, I can assure you that a lot is going on. <laughs> Now, I want to say that, you know, there was Herod in Peter's life. And most of the time in our lives, there are people who create situations for us to feel that the situation is impossible. And Herod attempted to take the place of God because he had killed James and it pleased the people and nothing had happened to him. He felt that he could go on and, I mean, do away with Peter and then he would get more popular And the people will say, this is a voice of a God and not of a man. Amen. He tried to create a circumstance that was greater than God. But I want to tell you that your Herod can never close the eyes of God. The Bible says that his eyes are everywhere, beholding the good and the bad. He knows your need. He knows that you want that child so badly. He knows that you are in anguish. He knows you want that husband. He knows that you feel lonely. He knows and he cares and his eyes are not closed. Amen. Amen. Now, even when they put you in prison and even when your Herod seems to have had an upper hand, remember that God will never be too late on your case. Amen. Amen. The next thing I want us to notice from this is that God laughs at man's locks and bolts. Amen the gates had been locked and it had been bolted but the bible says that he that sits in the heavens will laugh and that he will bring them into derision so god is not bothered about the seemingly impossible situation but you are bothered about the seemingly impossible situation now we have to leave the things we can't handle to god amen again when i was going to have my last daughter we were about to have the sword cutting here for the, <laughs> for the car park. And on that day, you know, there was a lot of raving and ranting, so he didn't come on. And when we closed, the office was upstairs, so I went to see Bishop, and I was going back to the car. And then I met this woman who had been in the service. She was crying throughout and pointed to the rubbish dump. And I met her here, coming, and... I was alone, and she said to me, this baby, you will never have it. And I said to her, I will have it in Jesus' name. And she said, unless you leave that rubbish dump, you will not have this baby. And I said, because God lives, so it became an exchange of words. After that, I sat in my car, and my two boys asked me, Mommy, are you sure she's a Christian? Well, <laughs> we got home, and to tell you the truth, I was quaking like a leaf. I was shaking. But I didn't even change. I just got down on my knees. And I remembered a verse that God had said in the book of Jeremiah that he would gently lead them that are with young. And I stood on God's word. And I said, God, this is what this woman has said. But I know that you are able to bring me through. This was around, let's say, the fifth month. Now the ninth month came and the expected date passed. It had never happened to me. And when I went to see the doctor, he said, well, let's go and do a tocogram and see. And when I went to do the tocogram, the nurse stopped in the middle and said, oh, you wait, I'll just get the doctor. And I said, is, that, is everything all right? She said, oh, you wait. You wait, I'll see the doctor. So she went to get the doctor. The doctor said, why don't you come in tomorrow? And I said, why is the heartbeat, the rate not good? What is it? They didn't tell me. But I saw the sheet, so I remember that I chewed the one something stroke, what, you know? So I came for a Tuesday service and I spoke to one of the doctors in my chapel. And I said, if you're having a baby and the chocogram reads this, this stroke, that, what does it mean? Oh, that's very serious. Then she looked at my face, oh, sister, mom, is it you? It's okay, it's not very serious. (laughs) Very serious, you know, something can be done about it and all that. But I knew that, in spite of all that, a lot was going on. Yeah. So, by the grace of God, the next day before, I didn't even go to the hospital, I was there, and then the evening I went into labor and I went to the hospital. When I went and I said, Oh, I think I'm in labor, I was with my mother in law, the bishop came later. The nurses went to the room and then they were gossiping. Oh. She says she's in labor. I think she's a first, a primate. She has not had a baby before. How can you be in labor and be smiling like this? She doesn't know. You know, but I just took it like that. And so we went to the labor ward. Bishop came and said, you know, my wife's labor is very fast. So you better precipitate labor. You better get ready. Oh, we are okay. Then the labor started. Then and come and see them running up and down. And the baby came. And the midwife who delivered the baby was a very spirit-filled midwife, who was attending soul clinic at the time. And I was the only one on the wall, so she was just speaking in tongues. Let it come. Hallelujah. Amen. Roll on. So I realized that God had put the right person there for me. And a lot was going on. Now after the baby, Bishop was there, everything seemed to be perfect. Then they called the doctor to certify that everything was okay. And then when he came, he said, oh, I think there's some bleeding inside and she would have to go for surgery. And so Bishop went out briefly and then the nurse said to me, came back to me and said, you know, don't worry, Bishop is behind the wall and the tongues that he's speaking. It's enough to see you too. So as I lay on the bed, I said, God, I'm just trusting you. I'm trusting you. Then they're going to be ready for surgery. And the nurse was still speaking in tongues and saying, No, even though you are dressing for surgery, you are not going. The Lord is... And the other unbelievers were very bold. Said, ah, but you to what? Every day praise, praise the Lord. Keep quiet. Let's do what we are doing. Then Bishop said to them, I am not allowing her to go for surgery unless you call the consultant to come and say that she should go. Then my mother came in and said, you see, your husband, it's a long time since he practices medicine. He should allow you to go and do this surgery. We don't want any complications. I said, oh, no, I think I agree with him. I'll just wait for the consultant. So they went to get the consultant in a car from Cantonment. At the time, I was in the theater. The consultant came, and he did the necessary examination, and he turned to the young doctor and said, Why is she here? Wheel her out. (laughs) Beloved, God will never require of us more than we can do. Amen. And all the things that we cannot do, he will do them for us. Now, one thing, too, about this passage is, why? Sometimes in our lives, God doesn't decide to move until the last minute. And sometimes I ask myself, why does he wait till the last minute? The Bible says that Peter was kept in prison. Herod was waiting till after Easter. And we are told in this passage that it was the night that Peter had to be released that the angel came. Why does God delay so much? And you and I being human, sometimes we don't understand. And sometimes we feel that we even appreciate the situation, our problem, better than he does. Because does he not know that he's wasting time? Does he not know that In Nzamarise? Does God not know that? But with my little human mind, I think that sometimes God delays so that we will learn to trust him. How would we know what trust is if God does not delay? Why did God wait for me to be wheeled to the theater the last minute before he came to say that wheel her out? He wanted to show himself strong on my behalf. Amen. The Bible says that who has known his counsel or who will counsel God You and I cannot advise him as to what he has to do. He doesn't seek anybody's advice and anybody's opinion. Amen. He's a democracy unto himself. Amen. He doesn't want the majority view. He wants his own view. But it's comforting to know that he still came through for Peter. Now, sleeping on the last night means more to God than sleeping on the first night. When you go to prison the first night, you, 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 you hope that you'll be bailed, you know, because the law says that you should not be in without being put before court, before, um, beyond 48 hours. So, humanly speaking, you know that, oh, at least the first night. But for God to let nights be passing, the midnights are passing, you are growing old. That man is not coming. The midnights are past. you are growing old. You even feel that your womb will not function anymore. Where is your God? The problem is getting worse. The more you pray for that man, the more he strays. Where is your God? And why is he keeping so long? Beloved, I may not have the answers for why he keeps so long, but I know that he always comes through. Amen. And you and i have to show our trust at the most trying time now i want to say that this passage is not so much about faith as about trust trust is just resting in the lord the bible says rest in the lord psalm 34 and wait patiently for him the bible says that we have need of patience so that after we have done the will of god we may inherit the promises to do his will is one thing And to inherit the promise is another. You don't sow a seed today and expect a harvest tomorrow. But you sow a seed knowing that the Lord of the harvest who gives the increase will surely give that increase. Amen. Now we must learn to leave the situation to God and let him do the looking after. Jesus said about Jerusalem, he lamented, Oh Jerusalem Jerusalem how long would I have wanted to take you like a hen takes his chicks and you would not many times you know the mother hen just opens her feathers and the little chicks can go there for safety and many times God opens his feathers like that after all the psalmist said under your wings I will trust but usually we as little chicks we run around And we eat worms and dirty things and we do not find comfort under the wings of the Father. And that's why Jesus lamented over Jerusalem, how often I want to comfort you. How often I want to bring you to that place of rest. And yet you are so busy working things out yourself that you would not let me. Amen. Amen. Beloved, let God open your doors. God's doors never lead to the devil's road. You can be sure that his, his doors will always lead to the way of peace, the way of righteousness, and the way of joy in the Holy Ghost. Don't force door, God's doors open by marrying that unbeliever. Don't force God's doors open by converting here and saying he's a Christian. When you come and I ask, you, is he born again? Pastor, he has received Christ. The Bible says by their fruits you will know them. Amen. It's not just going through the motions. So God opened a door that a man could never open. And when Peter went out, the door that man could open, man kept shut. That was Rhoda. Rhoda the maid. When Peter came to knock, after his miracle, Rhoda went and said, hey, Peter is at the door. Then the people were praying, said, "Ah, is it possible? And all that time, the blessing was behind the door may you know the day of your visitation and may you open the door at the right time to let in that miracle that God wants to bring your way amen Amen. I want you also to notice one thing that the things that Peter could do as I said before God did not do for him he wrapped his clothes his mantle around him he wore his sandals and the angel led him to the gate and led and left him there to walk on the road and go and give a testimony to the disciples about what great things the Lord has done and is it not comforting that even though the church was praying and somehow was praying in unbelief God answered their prayer because God is a merciful God he doesn't dwell on your works he doesn't say that because you didn't have faith or because you didn't do this I wouldn't do that look at Abraham he slept with his maid and yet in Romans 4 he is known as the father of faith look at Lot and the way he ended and yet in the book of Peter he is referred to as that righteous man remember that in spite of your shortcomings when you are leading the life of trust God is able to bring you to that point and to see you through and lastly but not the least remember the testimonies Because when Peter came out, he went and declared unto his brethren the things that God had done. And many times, when I go through a midnight hour, I cannot help but remember the past, the goodness of God, the mercies of God, and the faithfulness of God. And that gives me strength to carry on. And perhaps your testimony will give somebody else the strength to carry on. God bless you. please you to trust him like a child tell him that your struggles are over tell him that your fightings are over tell him that you're working it out yourself is all over tell him that you are leaving it to him from today tell him that in quietness and in confidence your strength shall be tell him that you are leaving it at his feet tonight God of Amen. Amen. Our Father, we thank you this evening, and we thank you, God, that even when we do not see a lot goes on on our behalf, you who did not spare your son, but gave him up for a ransom, shall you not with him also freely give us all things? Father, I stand in the place of your people. I pray for every weeping and longing heart. I pray for every troubled soul, oh God. I pray for every soul that is not at rest. I pray for those that have been looking to you, Lord. Satisfy them early with your mercy. Satisfy them early, oh God, that they may give you praise. And Father, grant us the grace to be patient, oh God. Help us not to grow weary in serving you. But Lord, to be patient and to wait for your day. I pray, O God, that every need, every desire, O God, of your people shall be met. And I pray above all things, O God, that we shall stand here to testify of your goodness. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward-Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward-Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 243 187 You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless. You.